Howdy friends, this is Matt Sewell and you're listening to episode 82 of the Popecast, the only podcast about popes where you'll find non-boring stories on the successors of St. Peter and a reminder that all of the world's problems have happened plenty of times before. Well, game, Christmas is right around the corner, and there's nothing that quite says I love you to your loved ones or to yourself than some good-smelling stuff from our sponsors over at Catholic Balm Co. They have tons of great stuff, beard balms, uh, beard oils, lotion bars, all that type of stuff, and they're usually also around this time coming out with all sorts of great um, holiday-specific items, St. Nicholas scents and all that type of thing. So if you'd like to check that out, you can uh, go to catholicbalm.co, enter the word Pope, P-O-P-E, at checkout for 10% off your entire order. Once more, that's catholicbomb.co and the word Pope at checkout. Thanks again to these guys for sponsoring the Popecast. So today's episode is about a guy who lived and died during the last and worst of Rome's persecutions of the Christian people. But just how that living and dying went is still up for discussion 1,700 years later. This week on the Popecast, it's the Pope who renounced the Christian faith. Or did he? Pope number 29, Saint Marcellinus. Pope Marcellinus was a Roman by birth, whose father's name was Projectus. Little else is known about his early life, but he likely was born sometime in the mid-3rd century, the 200s AD. Marcellinus succeeded Pope St. Caius, also known as Pope St. Gaius, depending on where you look, uh, on June 30th, 296 AD, during the reign of the Emperor Diocletian. Given the early timing of Marcellinus's papacy, very little of his actions are known, despite him reigning as successor of Peter for the better part of eight years. It was a relatively peaceful time then, but for anyone who recognizes that imperial name, Diocletian, your mind isn't playing tricks on you. That time of peace would change less than a decade later, with the ushering in of what's become known as the Diocletian Persecution, the last and most intense period of Christian persecution in the history of the Roman Empire. In the years leading up to the persecution, Diocletian had already purged the Roman army of Christians and filled his court with enemies of Christianity, but around 302 or 303 AD, he was consulting the Oracle of Apollo about what would appease the gods, simply excluding Christians from local government and the military, or as his closest advisors suggested, attempting their extermination altogether. Now, as we all know, the latter position won out, especially after the emperor attributed two fires in his imperial palace to the anger of the gods at not moving swiftly or severely enough. Now, the key targets for Diocletian were obviously church buildings and other important items like the sacred scriptures and forbidding public worship, but of special focus were the clergy and other leaders in the various Christian communities. All Christians, when caught, were expected to renounce their faith and burn incense to the Roman gods, or at the very least, remain imprisoned, if not be summarily executed. The case of Marcellinus, then, is admittedly a tad dicey. Several documents exist that accuse him, the Pope, of having surrendered his own sacred scriptures, and even perhaps burned incense to the Roman gods in order to avoid death. No small accusation. In some sources, though, he's listed as a martyr, some saying he was just outright killed, and others saying he initially apostatized, later recanted, and then was put to death. The martyrdom may or may not be true, but according to the Catholic Encyclopedia, in all likelihood he actually died of natural causes, given that St. Eusebius, a contemporary and renowned church historian, writing just a couple of decades later, didn't specifically state that Marcellinus was a martyr. And for a pope, something like that 
would have been explicitly stated, but instead Eusebius, for whatever reason, used a much more vague expression saying that, quote, he was overtaken by the persecution, end quote. Now, on the charge of whether Marcellinus apostatized, the evidence and circumstances do seem to clearly point in one direction, at least a majority over the other, but historians are still split on what actually happened. For example, Eamon Duffy, author of many books on church history, is not kind to the memory of Marcellinus, writing in his book Saints and Sinners, A History of the Popes, that, quote, Rome was scandalized by the cowardly surrender of Pope Marcellinus, and that after, quote, he surrendered copies of the scriptures and offered sacrifice to the gods, he died a year later in disgrace, and the Roman church set about forgetting him, end quote. Similarly, but leaving room for some skepticism at least, Matthew Bunsen writes in his book The Pope Encyclopedia that his apostasy was, quote, highly possible, end quote. The counterpoints, however, are more numerous and in some cases I think more compelling. For starters, it was well known that Diocletian, who was nearing his 20th anniversary as emperor in the year 303, wanted to look good for his subjects. As a result, he was known for fudging the numbers a bit on the reports of who among the imprisoned clergy had actually burnt incense and renounced their faith. Apparently, he would publicize such cases widely upon releasing certain men from jail, when in reality, someone had just taken their hands and literally forced them to burn the incense. And in other cases, they did nothing at all to renounce their faith, and they were just released, and the story was told that they had recanted. Could Marcellinus have been among those released on trumped-up accusations? Given the standing of the Bishop of Rome and the importance of that role, it's far from out of the question. Another account that falls in favor of Marcellinus comes from the pen of none other than St. Augustine himself. In a letter responding to a prominent Donatist heretic around the year 400 AD, after his interlocutor had accused the Pope and several other bishops of having, quote, escaped death from the sacrilegious flames, surviving like some ashes or cinders from the burning, end quote, Augustine notes the blatant lack of proof to support the writer's claims. And the Donatists, by the way, remember, were those Christians who broke away from the Catholic Church in that time based on the belief that the sacraments, right, baptizing, consecrating the Eucharist at Mass, etc., were only efficacious, were only successful if the minister was himself holy. If you were a wretched sinner, in other words, those sacraments weren't valid. At any rate, what really happened in the case of Pope Marcellinus may well have been a combination of two things. Right, One, an apostasy a la Pope Liberius or St. Joan of Arc, right? put under torture for a long period of time, surrendering under duress, and then recanting after being free and actually having full consent of the will. And then two, the Donatists having an axe to grind against Orthodox clergy, including the Pope. right? The Bishop of Carthage, Mensurius, was victim to this detraction as well, and he was one of the ones mentioned in that letter that Augustine responded to. And then, of course, the Donatists, as a result, spread the lie that Marcellinus and others had renounced their faith, as was the case uh, a few decades later. Now, what we do know for certain is that around the same time, there were certain crowds in Rome who didn't approve of Marcellinus's behavior, whatever it was, or at least whatever they had heard that it was. The existence of these types of detractions, and also him apparently intentionally being the only pope omitted from the first edition of the Roman list of, of saints a few decades later, show that much for certain, that at least he had made some people mad in certain Roman camps. And yet, even if he wasn't martyred, it is a certifiable fact that Marcellinus's tomb was venerated by the Christian faithful relatively soon after his death, right? That was something that, that meant that there was some reputation for his holiness that sent people flocking to it. So at the end of the day, it's safe to believe that Marcellinus probably held the line 
though we'll probably never know for certain. Now, Augustine, of course, is most definitely a reputable source, uh, even when writing 100 years later. But Eusebius, right, writing much more contemporarily to Marcellinus's time, would have almost certainly made a big stink about the Pope apostatizing if it were true. Think of the certainty, I mean, with which we report events of a century ago now in the present time. Even the, even if the details aren't all there of what happened in, say, 1920 or 1910, the general gist of whatever happened, whatever major event happened, uh, is still there. And it's incredibly difficult to hide the real truth after that period of time. So, for what that's worth. Now, whatever the case of his death, Pope Marcellinus died in 304 AD and ended up being the last pope for nearly four years as the persecution continued to rage, and it was likely near impossible to elect a successor in that time. He was succeeded by uh, Pope St. Marcellus I. No, I'm not kidding. Marcellinus was followed by Marcellus, and yes, they are confused every now and again. So that does it for the story of Pope Marcellinus, but there's just a couple of fun facts about him that I, I want to share before we close this one out. One, Marcellinus used to share an official joint feast day with his immediate predecessor, Pope St. Caius, uh, it actually lasted from the 13th century all the way until 1969 when the general Roman calendar was revised, right, to take out, you know, some saints who we don't know if they even existed or not, like St. Christopher, right? But at any rate, uh, Pope St. Marcellinus and St. Caius were both celebrated on April 26th. And even though that's not still officially the case, Marcellinus's feast day is still that same day, April 26th. And then second, some might be wondering if this, Pope Marcellinus, is the same Marcellinus whose name is read at Catholic Mass in what's called the Roman Canon. So, you know, when the priest is praying the prayers of consecration, Eucharistic prayer one, uh, when the priest asks for the prayers of, quote, Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Cornelius, Cyprian, Lawrence, Chrysogonus, John and Paul, Cosmos, and Damian, end quote. And then later, quote, Stephen, Matthias, Barnabas, Ignatius, Alexander, Marcellinus, Peter, and it goes on, right? Wouldn't you know it, even though the first five of those names are indeed former popes, so Linus through, which one is it? Cornelius, right? Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Cornelius are all popes. Marcellinus actually is a, a different one who's referenced in this case, although he did actually happen to die in this exact same year. What are the odds? The sainted pope and the other Saint Marcellinus died both in 304 AD, but this one, Marcellinus and Peter, who was mentioned immediately after him, were actually two middle-aged Christians who happened to be martyred together during that very same persecution. Marcellinus being a priest and Peter being an exorcist. And actually, Pope St. Damasus I would later write an epitaph on their tombs based on the report of their executioner, who himself later converted to Christianity. And then Constantine himself had a basilica erected over the Roman crypt in which they were buried. All right, well, that's it for the story of the Pope who renounced the Christian faith. Or did he? We really hope you enjoyed it. Would also love to hear what you guys think based on the evidence that was presented here. If you've, if you know of other things uh, related to the story of Pope Saint Marcellinus, feel free to hit us up. You can email us. You can find our email on the website, thepopecast.fm, uh, where you can just ping us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you happen to encounter us. The easiest. But either way, we're grateful to have new listeners, old listeners. Please, if you haven't already, leave us a rating and a review over at iTunes. We always read those out on the air. I always love to include those at the end of episodes. Plus, it helps other people to find and uh, hear about and be able to, to listen to the podcast as well. Also, a thank you again to all of our patrons. You can uh, join patreon.com slash the podcast. Without you guys, we could do none of this, right? The podcast will always be free to listen to you. 
but your patronage helps us to cover the various costs that come with producing a show like this. So if you'd like to join the community and help ensure that the Popecast is around long into the future, just visit patreon.com slash the Popecast. And as we head out today, let us pray for the intercession of Pope Saint Marcellinus, that we might have courage to stand up for what's right, no matter the cost. And as always, let us remember that although these are strange times we live in, they are no stranger than in ages past. Until next time.